the mystery history podcast i'm allison i'm rachel welcome to episode 111 jerry and marge go large we're struggling just so everybody's aware already the last 20 minutes (laughs) this is the second episode we've recorded tonight and things are going awry not episode f word no as was previously previously stated that's correct it's episode 111 and Mm -hmm. we want to give a shout out to who suggested this yeah one of our favorite listeners jamie jamie she's the bomb.com she is the bomb.com and she has amazing art yep i own one of her pieces you do and it's shared it right yeah it's one of my favorite also you're looking at it right now aren't you (laughs) yeah uh she got these little minifigures and painted the jaws and had a little lady like as the actual lady that pops up off the canvas it's so cool so and i love her octopus drawings Mm -hmm. that's my next purchase purchase yeah yeah she's great if you guys want to check her out she's on instagram it's uh, a jamie.gearheart.art so j-a-m-y dot g-e-a-r-h-a-r-t dot art check her out give her give her a little look-see buy a couple of her things yeah we love her we do she's great and like always you can like share subscribe from our stuff uh we just had a big milestone we hit eighty thousand downloads it's exciting eighty thousand ear holes we've been in I don't like to think about that. It gives me anxiety, but yeah. I mean, it's a lot of your probably, holes. Probably, I mean, a lot less for me. So that, that makes me feel a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you, but you have molested 80,000 ear holes. Good job, I have, girl. <laughs> I have. To commemorate this, we are yeah. giving away free stickers again, because that's what we do. We love stickers. We're givers also that's also true of stickers <laughs> if you would right. like one just shoot us a message and i will send one out to you yeah yeah you want to read uh, the super cute email we got yes because i can see it sorry i didn't know if i had the updated notes version here but i do so we got a really sweet email from ashton one of our listeners and she wrote i'm unable to leave a review which is pretty shit because you both deserve it i think you're both amazing just two down-to-earth women who have a sense of humor i'm catching up on all episodes just love how your show is not perfected and edited (laughs) (laughs) it's all genuine and real and you're not afraid to laugh even during the worst cases keep it up love you both Ashton. Isn't that sweet? She That's couldn't super sweet. She couldn't leave a review like on um Apple Podcasts because she didn't have that in Spotify. You can leave stars, but you can't leave a review. So she wanted to send that to us so we knew and we love it. We do love it. Thank you so much. And we are definitely a different show where we're not perfected and edited. We say shit wrong I- all the time. 
I mean, we both listen to other podcasts pretty regularly. Yeah. I don't think I've ever found a podcast that I listen to that's like ours where it's not edited. I know. And that's probably just because we're not good at editing. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have the time or energy for that. And neither do you. I mean, this is us just two friends getting together to talk about some stuff and then you know, if one of us burps or says something really stupid, okay, we'll make an effort to edit it. But otherwise it just is what it is. (laughs) It is. It is. And, um, we don't, we have both full-time jobs and young children children. and we don't (laughs) have time to like YouTube, how to pronounce things. It just is what it is. It is what it is. (laughs) So we really appreciate whenever you guys like that, because it is legit just, Two best friends cutting it up. That's right. So That's all it is. <laughs> yes. Um, the last thing is Waverly Hills. That is coming up super quick. So excited. Um, so if you would like a ticket to that on, what is it? The 20, crap, the 26th? 27th. The Saturday. Yep, 27th. It's on the notes. Oh, right there in front of me. <laughs> yeah. You're correct. That- I'm glad that I was smart enough to write that down. Yeah, just not, not read smart it. smart enough to look at it. But yes, August 27th, Waverly Hills Sanatorium in Louisville. 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 And it's we'll be from, there all day. We'll be there literally all day, but we got to take a nap because we, we're old. Part of it. Yeah, part of it will be napping. Uh, but then the event starts at 12 a.m. and goes into 6 a.m. the next morning. So then we'll need a nap afterwards. Yeah, hopefully. And coffee. We should buy like jugs of coffee. We're gonna be on the struggle bus. Yeah. Especially I'm... me for yeah days afterwards. I'm supposed to go to Boston and fly out on that Sunday after we stay up until 6 a.m. Sounds wicked awesome. It's not gonna be it's gonna be wicked awesome. I'm gonna be dead. I'm too old for this yeah. kind of behavior. Yeah. <laughs> you need a good two days to like just not do anything and recoup. Yeah, definitely. That's not going to happen. Nope. But we're going to do it. We are. And we are going to have a really good time. We are. So if y'all want to come, come on. Yeah, come on. Do it. Do it. Do it. All right. So like we said, this episode was um, suggested by Jamie. I had heard about it because there was a movie that had come out uh, recently with Brian Cranston, who is one of my favorite people. I haven't watched it yet, and I still haven't watched it, even though I did these notes. However, I learned a lot because I knew kind of the premise, but I didn't really know. I had no Mm -hmm. idea that they won as much money as they did, and it's all from mathematics, and you know how I am with mathematics, so it was super shocking to me. Right. So we're going to get into it. So why don't you get us started on good old Jerry and Marge, who are the two cutest people, by the way, I've ever seen in my life. Are there pictures that yes. you had? Oh, or yeah. No? Yep. And see, I don't get to see them. Yeah. Rachel's Evernote is acting up. So, so I'm um, going to Google their faces and we'll yeah, post pictures of their oh, faces. Yeah. yeah. But they're super For cute. sure. I love Wait, are they in? Never mind. We'll find out. <laughs> yep. We'll find out. <laughs> okay. I'll get us started then. Yes, please. In 1984, Jerry and Marge decided they wanted to stop working for other people and work for themselves. 
Jerry analytically scored 30 stores around Michigan and found the most favorable to be in Everett, Michigan, which is 120 miles north of Battle Creek. So scoured. what does this mean? Yeah, scoured. So they wanted to start working, stop working for other people and work for themselves. So they decided that they wanted to open up a party store. So the, he What's wanted a party store like, like balloons a, and stuff. No, like a convenience store that sold beer. That's I have literally never heard yeah. it called a party store. It's, they call it that in Pennsylvania too. We call that gas stations. Well, and there's a party store in Cincinnati also that just sells straight up liquor. That's called a so, liquor store. What it's is a party this? store, man? Liquor stores and gas stations. It was the 80s. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's what they called them back then. So yeah, party so he, stores. So instead of just like picking something he really did his research looking at 32 different stores yeah amazing okay they purchased a two-story house about about a mile away from the store and both marge and jerry worked there marge did the books and stocked the shelves while jerry bought the liquor and cigs they opened at 7 a.m and didn't leave until midnight Ugh. and i don't know about you but i don't think i could work with my significant other like I'm just throwing that no. out there. No, thank you. Maybe. Nope. Maybe at a party store, like we just hang out all day. If we were like, you were actually to working figure stuff out. Yeah, there would be trouble in yeah. paradise for sure. So they were working. How many hours a day is that? 16, 16 hours a day. That is insane. They were open every day. <gasps> Oh my gosh, what kind of life is that? That's awful. That's too much. Jerry prided himself on knowing everyone's name. And if he didn't know their name, he at least knew what they ordered. So that's pretty crazy. Yeah. He was always trying to find a way to maximize profits. He installed Everett's first ever lottery machine. Word got around fast and he claims almost every customer would buy tickets. Yeah. In 2000, Jerry and Marge decided that they'd had enough, which God bless them, working 16 hours a day, every day. So they wanted to retire. Jerry spent his time after his retirement hanging around at subway or gas stations at 6 a.m. He just couldn't get away from it um, to drink coffee. And he read the Detroit Times. And sometimes he would stop at the corner store, which is their old shop to see how the new owners were doing and if they needed anything. So during one of these visits in 2003, Jerry set his eyes on a new game called windfall during um, while he was reading the back of the pamphlet, he saw a flaw in the game and it was set up to be used to the player's advantage. He did a risk reward analysis, which sounds like so much work and within two minutes he figured out that the game could actually be profitable so in two minutes he did a risk reward analysis yeah this is why i'm never gonna be a billionaire right because we're not smart like and he's so smart so this is how it worked okay so one ticket cost a dollar you pick six numbers between one and 49 and then the michigan lottery draws six numbers If you guess all six numbers correct, you win the jackpot that's guaranteed to be at least $2 million, but oftentimes it's higher. 
Okay. If you guess five, four, three, or two of the six numbers, you won, but it was way lesser amounts. If nobody won the jackpot for a while, the jackpot could actually climb above $5 million. Then there was a roll down, which meant that the next drawing, as long as somebody didn't get the six, all six numbers, the jackpot cash went to the lesser tiers. So you had a better chance of winning money, guessing, you know, a, a fewer amount of numbers. So whenever the jackpot didn't pay off for smaller payouts became more favorable for a player, he calculated that he would lose only three times out of 20 times that he played. He tested his theory and he was right. Oh my gosh. So his analysis was that Jerry saw that if you had, you had a one in 54 chance to pick three out of the six numbers, winning $5 and a dollar in a fifteen hundred change to a pick one a one in fifteen hundred chance. Oh, I'm sorry, chance <laughs> to pick four numbers, winning a hundred dollars. As long as no one picked all six numbers in a week, each winning three number combo would get fifty dollars instead of five dollars. Then the four number winners would pay out a thousand dollars instead of a hundred dollars. So it is very much about the chance. Mm-hmm. But it's so likely that you'd win, even if that you won, you lo- lost three times, you could build it back up easy. Yeah. Wow. That's what crazy. a brilliant man. Jerry decided to give his math a try. He went to a store out of town and spent $2,200 on tickets and let the computer pick his numbers. After the numbers came out, he found he had won a little less than what he had spent on the tickets. He didn't let this stop him though. He thought that odds were odds and he needed to wager more to get a bigger return. The next wager was for $3,400. This time he won $6,300, a 46% profit margin. I feel like this is how people start a gambling addiction. (laughs) I know, this would... We just need more. (laughs) I can't even go to the casino and have a good time ever. I never have a good time at the casino because I don't like losing money, even if it's $20. Yeah. (laughs) My thought about it. My thought is, okay, I'll throw $20 out and I'm paying $20 to have a good time. And if I leave with it, great. If not, okay, it was worth it. But Yeah. yeah, 20 penny slots. That's about where I go all the time yeah that's probably I mean I like card games like I'll go play blackjack or something but the 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 machines I don't I don't yeah it does not bring me joy it just pisses me off (laughs) I don't know how to play the card games I know how to play Yahtzee though you the card games are easy you could pick it up real quick but usually the minimum is super high like to play yeah and I'm like that's my budget my whole budget (laughs) (laughs) I can play one time right (laughs) so the next time Jerry played he played with eight thousand dollars and won fifteen thousand seven hundred dollars profit that's nuts he had yet to tell Marge what he was doing (laughs) oh Jerry out here he's very lucky that these are paying off because I bet Marge would have been pissed. 
they both were straight laced and he wasn't sure how she was going to react to him you know playing the system Mm -hmm. while camping with family and friends he got brave while sitting by the campfire and decided to tell marge that he was playing the lotto that he knew how to beat it and that he had already won five figures marge knew her husband the puzzle master must have figured it out so isn't that wild that is wild now it was the two of them playing windfall so he not only told her but now she's roped into this <laughs> which because would be pretty easy to get somebody roped into of right of course if you're saying look at i've made 46 percent profit okay sign me up at lottery terminals you could only print 10 slips of paper at a time with up to 10 lines on each slip. So if you wanted to buy $100,000 worth of tickets, you had to stand at the machine for hours and hours just printing tickets. So Jerry and Marge knew the convenience store owners. um, So they showed up in the morning and they would print tickets literally all day. Like that's their new job is just printing tickets. Um, As the winnings started to add up, they set up a corporation called GS Investment Strategies, LLC, and they invited a few dozen of their friends and families to join, selling shares at $500 a piece. The roster ended up growing to 25 members, including random people like a state trooper, a parole officer, bank vice president, three lawyers, and his personal accountant. So if you got a personal accountant like saying this is this is it, you're doing something good. Is this illegal? <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> By spring of 2005, GS Investment Strategies LLC had played windfall on 12 different roll-down weeks, the size of the bets increasing along with the winnings. First they had 40,000 in profits, then 80,000, then 160,000. Marge put hers in a savings account. Jerry bought a new Ford F-350 and a camping trailer to hook to the back. He also started buying coins from the U.S. Mint. He eventually filled five safety deposit boxes with coins of silver and gold. Yeah. Um, So, and, but there, and I don't remember if I put this in the notes or not, but it was funny because as they were living this lifestyle where they had all this additional money, they, that was like as frivolous as they were. They still lived in the same house without a dishwasher. Like it never occurred to her to use the money <laughs> to buy a dish. Like it was very much, they were just living their lives and just collecting this cash and putting it away or buying a few things, but not overspending or acting crazy. Yeah. Um, In May 2005, the Michigan lottery shut down the game with no warning and replaced it with Classic Lotto 47. They claimed it was because the windfall tickets had been decreasing and Jerry and Marge were crushed because that was like their hobby. And obviously it was rewarding because they were getting all this money. A member of the, uh, their Lotto LLC emailed Jerry and told him that Massachusetts was promoting the windfall game. There were a few differences in the structure, but it appeared to be mostly the same with the same payouts. So Jerry did his math math calculations and the odds were good, but Massachusetts was 700 miles away and he didn't know anyone there that would let them, you know, stand for hours upon hours and tie up their lotto machine. 
Jerry emailed the member back asking if he knew anyone who owned a convenience store, and he did. <laughs> Paul Martis, who owned Billy's Beverages about 50 miles from the western border of Massachusetts in Sunderland. Yeah. Nice. Pretty that good to out. know. Yeah. Small, small world. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry did not like flying, and it was a 12-hour drive to the East Coast. So that's what he did. He would drive. But before we get into that, let's backtrack about seven months. And we're going to go back to a dorm room at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, otherwise known as MIT, which is super smart people. This is where James Harvey was actually trying to recruit people to bet in a lottery pool that he started. He, he was a mathematics major in his final semester when he started researching lottery games for an independent study project, and he also spotted the same flaws in the windfall game. Within a few days, James had recruited 50-plus people to buy in at $20 each for a total of $1,000, which was enough to buy 500 windfall tickets. For the uh, February 7th roll down drawing, they won and they took home 3K, which was a $2,000 profit. James had 40 to 50 regular players and recruited Yuren Liu, who was an electrical engineer, to help him kind of manage this group that he started. They formed the corporation named Random Strategies LLC. Is and this a thing? I guess anybody can start an LLC. Why are they starting these? Why are they starting these LLCs for their lottery? I mean, because they're winning, I guess. I think it's like weird big amounts of money because the standard wagers the group made were $600,000, which meant 300 tickets. Wow. So it was not chump change, it was big time. So that was probably a way to protect themselves from things. Uh, The MIT students chose their own numbers to avoid duplicates, which meant that the students had to spend weeks filling in hundreds of thousands of tiny ovals on betting slips. So Marge and Jerry didn't do that. They just let the computers automatically pick for them, but they wanted to seal their own fate. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, I mean, good job. Yeah. A biomedical researcher at Boston University, Ying Zhang, also discovered the flaw in the game. He encouraged his friends to play and formed his own betting club, wagering between $300,000 and $500,000 on individual roll-down weeks. Eventually, he quit his job and focused on the lottery full-time. Now, Massachusetts was starting to catch wind of this manipulation that was taking place, So any agent who sold more than 5,000 tickets per day had to get a special waiver so that lottery officials could detect unusually heavy betting. Mm -hmm. So let's get back to Jerry. So we said that he didn't like to fly. He had to drive 12 hours to Massachusetts to Billy's Beverages. Jerry figured he would purchase $100,000 in lottery tickets to begin with from Paul Mardis. And whenever he said that, the owner laughed. He had a really small shop and had never probably thought he would see $100,000. 
Uh, Jerry told Paul that if he let Jerry use his store and print tickets in bulk, that he would give him stake in the GS Investment Strategies LLC. Of course, Paul agreed. And a few weeks later, Jerry came back to Billy's Beverages with margin tow. But now they needed two terminals if they were going to do this. So Jerry found another place that was fittingly called Jerry's Place. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And it was a diner in South Deerfield whose owner was also willing to join in for a stake in the LLC. So they got they got their two machines now. Their new routine was a week before the roll down drawing, they would drive 700 miles from Michigan, cut across to Canada and book a room at the Red Room Inn in South Deerfield. In the morning, they would start at 5.30 a.m. and work straight through to 6 p.m., printing as many tickets as the terminals would handle and rubber banding them into stacks of $5,000. It took them 10 full working days at 10 hours a day to count their $70,000 in tickets. They never left the room except to get lunch. They claimed their winning tickets, then drove back the 12 hours to Michigan with all of their losing tickets that they kept in the barn at their house in case the IRS ever wanted a paper trail. And there were pictures. They were just rubber totes and totes and totes and totes of these. Yeah, these losing tickets that they had. Wow. Yeah. Um, August 29th, Jerry and Marge spent $120,000 on 60,000 tickets. Then they increased their wager to 312,000 individual tickets, going as high as 360,000 tickets at $720,000 betting on a single draw. Jerry and Marge started getting friendlier with the customers at the store they spent so much time in, and Paul considered them both to be a part of his family. So over the, I know, I mean, if you're spending that much time, 10 hours a day, um, over five years, Jerry and Marge would return to Massachusetts six to nine times a year doing this exact system. So they were dedicated and what a good deal for these LLC people because they're the ones that did all the work. They just got the rewards for it. Right. They just put the money in and took the Mm -hmm. money out. By 2009, they had grossed more than 20 million in winning tickets, a net profit of 5 million after expenses and taxes. Their biggest loss occurred in 2007 of $360,000 which that's how much they lost. Sorry, I read that too quick, but they quickly made the money back. Even with all of these winnings, their lifestyle didn't change. They stayed in the same house without a dishwasher. Marge washed all the dishes by hand. Yeah. I wasn't sure if I put that in there, but like, yeah, like $20 million and he didn't buy a freaking dishwasher. Some people like washing their dishes by hand. Yeah. And I think that they were two people that really wanted to keep busy and yeah they had their own little things like this lottery really wasn't about the money I think it was really about like the the thrill of the of the hunt you know yeah just like antiquing winning and (laughs) yeah yeah the week leading to the cash windfall drawing of August 16th 2010 the lottery did not account the roll down because the jackpot was only at 1.6 million 
Harvey and his MIT friends took three days and bought 700,000 lottery tickets costing 1.4 million to tip the jackpot over 2 million before lotto officials knew what was happening and could announce the roll down. No one else knew the money was going to roll, so Jerry and Marge did not buy tickets, and the MIT group got about a $700,000 profit. Yeah, I mean, so they were pretty pissed about that situation. Jerry and Marge were. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, because they should have got in on it. Jerry believed that the MIT group would strike again on the drawing scheduled for December 27th, so Jerry left Marge and spent all day Christmas driving to Jerry's place and spent hours printing 45,000 tickets. When he was almost done, the store was closed and he was about to leave when there was a knock on the door. Jerry answered and Urine Lou was at the door claiming that he was from another club and that it would be beneficial if they knew how much each group was playing and taking turns, you know, winning the pot. Jerry thought that that was unethical and closed the door on him. And that made uh, drawing his group made $200,000. So they're really not doing anything illegal. No, they're not. They figured out a they, flaw in a system, a system that somebody put together that they thought was flawless, I'm sure. Yeah. Not I mean, his fault. He's smart. <laughs> Right. And he's not trying to, you know, do the unethical thing and start creating these, these cells of, (laughs) he just wants to do his own thing. He puts the work into it and he's getting rewarded for it. That's what the lottery is really for. Right. So Andrea Estes got a tip from a state employee about the windfall game and how she should investigate any player who had won at least 20 times and over $20,000 in the prior year. Uh, She is a, um, she's a, what is it called? A journalist. So she examined the list and found that GS Investment Strategies LLC was buying most of the tickets in bulk at Billy's Beverages. So she Uh knows, yes. Estes learned everything she could about windfall, and right before the rolldown on July 12, 2011, she drove to Billy's Beverages and encountered Mardis and Marge behind the counter printing lotto tickets. Estes introduced herself as a reporter, and Marge refused to answer any questions. Estes requested more records and found other groups that were buying tickets in bulk, including the MIT group. She informed the lottery of this, and even though they knew about the whole thing, they acted like they had no idea what was going on. Mm -hmm. Lotto officials started cracking down and suspended the licenses of seven convenience stores that serviced the groups, including Billy's Beverages and Jerry's Place. Are they allowed to do that? I I think I might touch on it later, maybe. But the reason is because they the stores were letting jerry and marge print out the tickets themselves whenever really it should have been the cashier of the store that was printing printing them out out. yeah so i think that they were just kind of suspending them for the lotto purposes until they could investigate right um estes's story broke on july 31st the headline read a game with a windfall for a knowing few 
Jerry was shocked by the story that led the average reader to believe that he was a cheater when he wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, Marge and Jerry played here or there when they could, but everyone was on high alert because of the story. Jerry figured that people needed to know all about the story because they didn't get to hear his side of it, and he called up Estes to grant her an interview. Jerry and Marge last played the cash windfall game on January 2012. Their final winnings were nearly $27 million after playing it for nine years in two different states. They netted $7.75 million before taxes, which was distributed to the GS Investment Strategies LLC. They used the winnings to help cushion their friends and family, and their kids put the money toward their children's education. Yeah, so they really, I mean, were very smart and didn't let that money go to their head. Yeah, they were just average people. Mm-hmm that figured something out and we're having fun with it right six months later a report was released by the massachusetts inspector general that was 27 pages long it didn't say the selbys were innocent but also said that the state lotto had looked the other way uh, as betting groups took advantage of the lotto the lotto worked as it was designed to work cash windfall maybe was just a little more fair than the other lotto games and they didn't really like it (laughs) because they actually had to pay (laughs) stuff out right so that that is the story so they didn't really get in trouble um good because when i googled them the first picture that comes up our good friend marge here now that i look more closely at it is wearing an orange button up oh (laughs) and i was like oh my god did they put this old woman in jail for doing next to nothing in my opinion <laughs> right i mean that is what this the lottery is portrayed to before is to win money and it, mm-hmm. it's their fault for not setting it up the right way to be more lucrative for the winners and good for them i mean they did good money they, they didn't, didn't do bad things didn't go buy mm-hmm. drugs and try to sell, you know, like they just were trying to help their family and their friends and yeah. have some purpose in their life that made them happy. And right. that's what they did. So perfectly fine in my book. Yeah. So they're the sweetest. Um, my sources, I um, found information on woodtv.com, latimes.com, and then um, highline.huffingtonpost.com. There was a really good article that was posted there where I got most of this information from. Um, So we'll note that in the notes, but that was a really good article. It was very in-depth and thorough with everything. So uh, it's just super interesting. Mm -hmm. You can figure these things out. I mean, people do this, like go to Vegas and count cards. Try to win, right. I mean, I don't know how you do that, but good for people that can, you Well, and I think that there are a lot of people out there that are smart enough to figure it out, but there's such like a connotation against the lottery that it's the cards are stacked against you. So why even try? And yeah, in most instances, (laughs) yeah, two minutes to sort this out. In most instances, I'm pretty sure that you aren't going to bet in the lottery like this. Mm-mm. Because the odds aren't good enough for you to do well. I, you know, the lottery in Ohio right now 
I think the drawing it's, was yesterday. Did anybody know it's today or tomorrow? I think because we, I, yeah, and I think it's it's throughout America. It's not just Ohio. Oh, it's not it's, just Ohio. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. seven hundred and something billion dollars. We have. I mean, I play lottery with um, people that I used to work with. And there's this really sweet older gentleman that retired while I was working there. And we meet up for lunch, like once every couple months to give me and Jess do to give him money for lottery. And I told Brian, I was like, I'm going to play lottery until he is no longer doing it because I, I love like meeting up with him. It like brightens his whole day. So, and I brightens mine too. (laughs) So it makes me happy. I was like, we're going to do that. But I told him, you know, we should get some tickets this time. And he told me it was idiot tax. (laughs) Yeah. We (laughs) are lottery is like, okay, fine. Somebody's going to win it. And (laughs) right. Why not? Why not us? (laughs) Yeah. We played at work. We bought tickets, um, for work. So, which is really stupid. It's they dangerous, yeah. That because if you win, everybody's, everybody's gone. gone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nobody's sticking around. After I feel that. like I could make it work. That's why like... with work, whenever he first came around and was like, "Do you want to play lottery?" I was like, "Absolutely!" Like I will not be stuck here with mm-hmm. everybody else quitting. No thanks. Yeah, <laughs> that would put me over the edge. <laughs> yeah, you'll be the one idiot left. Like, damn it, I should have right. played. Yeah. I don't know. It Absolutely is not. somebody's life is going to change tomorrow. And if I were them, I would not tell anybody and just buy an Island. Oh no. And live there. Just disappear. Yeah. Fade into the mist. She, she went to California. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, do you have anything else for this episode? No, I do not. This was a good one. I liked yeah. it. Thank Nobody you died. again. Yeah, this is a little lighter than our typical, and it was really not bad news. Like, yeah, this is good news. I like it. Yeah, they won a lot of money and they didn't get in trouble for it. So good for them. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed this uh, episode 111 on Jerry and Marge Selby. Go large. And we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.